day, everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of Adeptus Podcastus, The Greater Good. On today's episode, we're going to touch upon the vast amount of news we actually got this week, and then we're going to be covering the Tau previews, our Tau spoiler card, and some Tau lore. Joining me, as always, is Nate from over in Sheffield in the United Kingdom. Nate, how are things over in your part of the world? Good, good. A lot cooler. Nice and wet. Just how I like it. That, guess, that, was, that was more of a, yeah, <laughs> that didn't quite sound how I uh, envisioned it in my head. <laughs> well, I didn't go there until you said something. <laughs> uh, so, all right, yeah. so moving uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's good. Uh, yeah, things have slightly cooled off. Well, we've lost the humidity at least. It's still hot, but it's not quite as humid, so it's better. Yeah, yeah. And I'm on vacation, so nothing can really bother me right now, because I'm officially on vacation as of an hour ago. I'm off work for nine days, so I'm very excited. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been a a very busy week for uh, Warmer 40,000 Conquest. Really all the living card games, but more so Conquest. Um, so, to real briefly touch on all the news we got this week, for those who've uh, not noticed, we got several announcements, all related to Conquest. Uh, the first one we got was the announcement of the pre-order for the uh, the tournament kits. Uh, for those new to any of the living card games uh, with Conquest, these are basically kits that FFG sells to stores and stuff where uh, you can win various prizes by going to tournaments, or uh, they also use them for like leagues and stuff like that. Like uh, here down in Halifax, we're going to be doing leagues for most of the LCGs as well as for the X-Wing miniature game. So we're going to be using the kits uh, to help support those as well, having like a league-ending tournament uh, down at the Boardroom Game Cafe in Halifax. Uh, I'm actually the Star Wars leader for that league. Um, so for 40K, they announced the first kit. Uh, they're slightly different than some of the older kits for those used to the older style. It's, you're going to get a playmat, four deck boxes, and then a bunch of alternate art cards, which is pretty normal. It's just the in- increase in the uh, the number of deck boxes is a bit different. So th- this time there's four, which is kind of cool, I think. <laughs> is that the unplugging Terra? No, uh, she's banging on the door, but she's not coming in. <laughs> I locked the door. <laughs> but yes, that's her. We are childproof today. We are childproof. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the wife's here too. So, take care of her. I like what they showed so far for the uh, the tournament kit. It, the playmats pretty much exactly what I expected. It's the box art, but yeah. that was pretty much a given. So was the uh, the deck box, and I like that there's four. And, you know, increases the chances of more people getting one. Uh, yeah, I think the, 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 all the deck boxes, if they're similar quality to what they've done for the like the store championships and. So on, they're really, really nice deck boxes. Even if you're not a fan of the art, they're just really handy to uh, put a couple of decks in. So I really like those. Yeah, I use, I've got uh, three of the Star Wars ones, and I use those when I go to a tournament. Well, three of the smaller ones. I've got a bigger one that holds four decks. The smaller ones are good. They hold pretty much two decks, all sleeved and stuff like that. So, yeah, they're, they're decent. Uh, so we also got news about the second pack of the Warlord Cycle. Uh, we're not going to cover this too in-depth this episode. We'll go into it on our next episode a bit more, but uh, pack two is called The Scourge, and we get to see the uh, the new Chaos Warlord, which is Kugath Plaguefather. He's a Nurgle demon. 
it's uh, pretty interesting art on all the Nurgle stuff. Uh, it's very Nurgly, to use that as a verb. It's, it's, it's what you'd expect from Nurgle artwork. I very much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, not too bad. And then, lastly, in addition to getting the Tau preview, we also got the rules. So we get the Learn to Play rules and the Rules Reference Guide. Available for download on the FFG site uh, in PDF. I'm sure if you're listening to us, you've probably already downloaded these and have read them a few times. Uh, I've read them more times than I can probably count at this point. Indeed. Um... So that was buried within the towel preview. I almost feel kind of bad for the towel because they kind of got, you know, oh, look, the towel preview. Oh, it's, oh my God, it's the rules. Who cares about those stupid towel? I'm so, sure uh, our towel fans will, will feel like that. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> almost wish that they kind of separated the two in two separate articles instead of mixing it all together, but, you know, whatever. It's not really that big a deal either way. I do know people are very excited about this. The, uh, the boards and the forums and everything have exploded with people talking about the game now, of course, now that the rules are out and, you know, getting questions and answers and stuff out there. Uh, overall, mostly positive stuff, which is good to see. Uh, it's definitely an exciting time. We should be, well, I mean, this time next week, people will be buying product because next week is Gen Con, so we'll see a lot of spoilers, I suspect, next week and afterwards from people taking pictures of all the cards. All right, so the last bit of news I have, I actually just got about an hour ago from uh, FFG Organized Play. Uh, for those who haven't heard and those who are going to the Gen Con World Eater Tournament, you're limited to only being able to have one core set worth of cards. So you can build, you can buy more, of course. There's only going to be one on hold for you, uh, which you have to pick up at the FFG booth in the exhibit hall before 6 p.m. on Friday. One copy will be allowed to build your deck for the event itself. Uh, as they said in the email they sent me, you know, it's, it's going to be somewhat limiting for deck building options, of course, but... It's an introductory tournament for a beginner event, so, I mean, really, it makes sense. It, it gives everyone an even footing, so that those who are able to get there earlier and buy their, you know, three, four, whatever core sets don't have an advantage over those who maybe only get their one copy that's on hold. So I'm okay with it. it it's official now. Um, there's going to be an email sent out, apparently, to the players f- from Gen Con with details as well, so... Uh, anyone who's registered to go should be expecting that, but it's now official confirmation that it is one corset limit at this time. I don't think I don't think that's terrible a terrible idea. It ensures everyone gets their copy, and it sort of makes the playing field a little more even for those that can only afford to buy a corset compared to those that can afford to get three straight away there. So I don't think it's a terrible idea. No, neither do I. I mean, I would still be buying three, you know, just building a deck with just one, but you know. I think a lot of people would, but you know, it's just nice that people aren't forced to. So if you even want to remotely compete, basically, I think it adds a bit more of an element of um, how good is your draw, uh, rather than consistency of decks. But you know, it's a first tournament, it's a first blush tournament. I don't think it'd be terrible. Yeah, um, I'm still curious to see what the prizes are, but I don't think we're going to see anything official apparently for side events, which. This is considered until uh, you know somebody takes a picture or posts something on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. <laughs> um, for anyone who's going to Gen Con who's listening to us right now, if you want to get a hold of us, you can 
email us at adeptuspodcasts at gmail.com or, you know, message us on Facebook or on, you can message myself or Nate on Card Game DB or the FFG boards. If you got any information you want to share with the greater community, we'll be happy to repost it to wherever we can because I know that people at Gen Con will be busy, so you might be a bit limited on your free time to be able to share stuff with those of us who are less fortunate to be able to go. All right, so let's get into the Tau. Uh, so we're going to cover the Tau previews, and I'm going to let Nate take it from here. Nate, take her away. Okay, okay. So, yeah, as uh, usual, you got the usual setup of um, the fan, uh, which in this one we get to see some nice Tau artwork. Uh, it's nice that one of the cards in the fan at the forefront is the uh, one of the units which I'm quite excited about, which is the Crisis Battle Guard. Uh, five cost army, three command icons, which is pretty big. Uh, it's a three five uh, with mobile. It's a soldier pilot elite, and is also also loyal. Um, I think these guys. I mean, the five cost is a little bit prohibitive uh, for what you get, but I mean, you get the guy that's going to be bouncing around planets, winning your command struggles, and then uh, well, doing damage wherever else he needs to be, basically. Quite a nice, quite a nice unit. Definitely a good unit. Uh, definitely very beefy, as they say. Five cost. I mean, it's on the expensive end of things, but it's not too too bad, especially where it's got mobile. Uh, yeah, that definitely helps it out a lot. It, it shifts. It shifts the damage where you need to be and where you need to win battles or command icons, uh, command struggles, basically. So I think that is his primary. I may I, I may like him more if it was maybe four cost with just one less command icon or something like that. I know it's not quite cost efficient, but fair, I should say. Sorry, but it's still a nice unit. Yeah, I mean, mobile is not really going to help you win the command struggle that turn, is because it doesn't happen until the combat phase. But yeah, next turn you could you know potentially set it up, you know, go to a planet, kill the opposing unit, and then sit there with your three command icons for next command struggle. Uh, we don't really get to see anything else, do we, in here? I mean, you can see uh, the, the ion rifle. Now, you can't see all of it, but I'm pretty sure the gist of it is a one-cost attachment that gives a unit three attack, basically. Yeah, um, I mean, it's pretty yeah. obvious. It says, attached to an army unit, attached unit gets plus three attacks. Yeah, yeah. Which, for one cost, is really good. I yeah, think. plus three <laughs> attack. is massive, basically, so... Um, uh, I think on the, the recon drone as well, you can see it appears to just be a free command struggle winner, basically. Zero for a zero, one with two command icons. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure that's as limited, so, you know, just free dude, go there with command struggles, get me some resources or some cards, job done, basically. Yep, true. Sadly, my friend Ben is the Tau fan in our area, so he'll be taking... Pretty hefty deck of towel, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I might. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to try them out with both Space Marines and Eldar, especially for things like the Ion Rifle. You know, putting that on a Space Marine or something. And yeah. Yeah, especially if you can get their uh, the support out that allows to to stand. Um, well, sorry, ready your guy basically after they've, they've hit something. <laughs> that with a uh, Ion Rifle is probably going to come keen. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so <clears throat> on to the actual main cards. Um, and as always, you get the commander, which is Commander Shadow Sun. He is a uh, 1 7 in the standard 7 7. 
uh, is a soldier and a chasseur. Am I pronouncing that right? I never know with these. Um, he has a reaction after this warlord commits to a planet. Put a tower attachment with printer cost two or lower, or Shadow Sun's stealth cadre from hand from your hand or discard pile into play attached to an eligible unit at this planet. Um, so from looking at how Tau are going to function, uh, primarily being like an attachment uh, heavy sort of deck, or at, le at least this um, this signature unit will be. He he basically mitigates a problem I see a lot of times with uh, attachments uh, in in regards where the attachments open to attachment removal, the characters open to character removal. So you can get two for one a lot of the times, and this helps mitigate that. Where if they do remove that, you can you can get it back with with his uh, ability. So I think it's a really nice, uh, not overly powerful, but really useful tool for for the tower deck basically. Yeah, I mean, and just to point something out, Shadow Sun's actually a girl. All right. <laughs> not that you can really tell, probably. Is it a ponytail? Is that is that what it is? Is is that what should give it away? <laughs> I honestly I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I mean, Tower definitely going the attachment route. You can tell from pretty much all their cards. Uh, and I mean, I really this is a good reaction because it lets you get it back from the discard pile. So you know, any attachment with printer cost two or lower, or the Shadows and Stealth cadre as well, which they had to put that part on like I. There was already someone who was a little bit confused by the wording, but they had to put or Shadows on Stealth Cattery, because Shadows on Stealth Cattery, when it's in your discard pile, is not an attachment. It would be a unit, so that's yeah. why it's worded like that. But it does mean anything with print cost 2 or lower or Shadows on Stealth Cattery will confirm from the discard pile. And, I mean, it's free. So you, know, you could use an attachment that has a shield icon or 2 or 3 or whatever and then use this reaction play it for free. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you can get double that, use of your cards. I think there's been a lot of uh, interesting use, uses for it, but I think, like I said, the main the main point of mitigating the ability to get two for wand is held by her, uh, her ability, should I say. So that's the, the best thing for me, just fills that, that hole that, that could that could exist, basically. Um, so then we go on to Shadow Sun's Stealth Cadre, which is a um, two-cast army. Um... One uh, command icon, two two, uh, and this card enters. This card may enter play as an attachment with the text attached to a non-vehicle army unit. Attached unit gets plus two attack and plus two HP. Um, solid unit. I mean, it, I, I like it that it's multi, multi useful. Where you can either buff uh, a solid unit already, or you can have it as a two two unit. Uh, and with obviously with Shadow Sun's ability to keep getting out of the bin, really like that. Um, I don't know if a lot of people notice this, but you can't actually put it on Shadow Sun herself um, because it specifies an, an army unit, which is annoying, but I can see why they, they wouldn't want that. Um, really nice artwork, gorgeous artwork, really love the artwork. Um, I just Kind of wish they had a little bit more punch, but it, they are what they are, basically. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have an issue with them at all. I like that they can be an attachment or a unit, so you can kind of use them for whichever way you might need at the time. 
uh, and I mean they provide the same thing on the board either way it's just potentially one less unit but you're still getting the 2-2 two, two for 2 or free if you use that as an Shadow Sun yeah I think if they got an area effect too and you know putting two of these down wouldn't be more useful but making it like the 3-5 the a 5-7 or you know a 7-9 is a lot more useful so I, I like that you got that option built in with them basically so um, so the next card we have is communications relay it's a one cost support, it's an upgrade, and it's an interrupt. When your opponent triggers an ability that targets a unit you control with one or more attachments, exhaust the support to cancel its effects. Um powerful effect for for sure. There's no you know, no doubt about that. Cancelling um cancelling effects is always a strong, especially if it's repeatable like this. Um Having to have a an attachment out that has that's that they they have to target a unit that has an attachment. So if they're smart, they can maybe get work around it. Um, especially if you haven't drawn attachments or you haven't wanted to attach them to a unit yet, uh, and you may not even want to give that attachment up. But obviously, if, if the unit's going to die otherwise, then fair enough. But I, I don't think it's as it's as, as strong as the the other supports that we've seen out of the signature units. Again, I like the artwork. But it's uh, I don't rate it as high as the other ones. Yeah, I don't. It's one cost that lets you cancel an effect. I mean, if it's something like a you know a kill effect or something, I can definitely see it definitely being useful there. But you know, it's definitely not as immediately obviously powerful as some of the other supports we've seen. And again, you know, one copy, so it's a bit limited in that regard. But you know. Yeah, I don't think I'd be as happy to see that as I would all the rest of the um, signature support cards I've seen already. So uh, it's not terrible, but it's not as not as good as the other ones. I don't think so. Um, the next card we have is uh, Squadron Redeployment, uh, zero cost event. It's a tactic uh, action. Exhaust an army unit with one or more attachment to move it to a target planet. Um, really strong effect, zero cost, oh sorry, I must say it's got a shield um, icon on it as well, uh, really strong effect, uh, it's doing what the town, you know, are meant to be doing, they're meant to be a mobile, adaptable army basically, um, fight, you know, fighting battles where they need to, um, exhausting the army unit to move in is not, is no, no different from um, them coming in with the warlord anyway. So you might get double duty out of a, a unit, basically in, in one battle if you win that battle. It's not as not as powerful again, not as powerful as the other signature units. So I'm get looking at all these as they are. I've got a feeling that the tower out of the bat, straight out of the box, might not be as as effective as the as the other um, as the other factions. Sorry, Mike. Kids are making much noise, so I'm keep muting you. Okay. I don't know what's going on, but their mother can deal with it. Um, I, don't know, I like this event because I can see different uses for it. Like you could, well, no, that might not work. I thought you could maybe take it, you know, have a battle and then move it. Well, no, yeah, you could do that. Like you could, you could have a battle on a planet, have the unit ready for you know, like the second part of the battle the battle round 
And then if you don't need that unit because you're going to win anyway, you can then play this, move it to your next battle, or you know, a planet down the road that you want to get a unit to earlier or something instead of it possibly going from like the first planet to headquarters or something where it's already going to be exhausted and stuff. So, you know, depending on how you use this and how you time it, it's got lots of different ways you could use it to kind of mix things up. Yeah, but I think if you're going to leave it there, or you, you want to move it because you don't need it there to win a battle, just re retreat anyway and then come in with your warlord onto a different planet anyway because it's going to come in exhausted either way. So yeah, I, I can see what you're saying, but I just think it's so narrow at times that it's not it's, it's just not that great an effect for what they need basically if it, but if it came if it said exhaust an army unit with one more attachment or exhaust an army unit to move it and then if it had more attachments straight in it so so to actually um encourage you to run attachments and make those units i think that'd be better so it, it exhaust a naked unit but it didn't exhaust a, a unit with an attachment that'd make more sense to me but yeah yeah, I just I don't think either of us are particularly Tal fans, so it's probably coming off that way. That we're not <laughs> well, Tal fans. I, I do really like Tal. It's probably my favorite faction with the the whole Gundam wing sort of stylist type thing to them. I'm just not a fan of how FFG have done them mechanically, as of yet anyway. So from what I've seen, I prefer them not to be the uh, quote attachment faction, but it seems that they're, they're gearing up to be that way. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, so the, ne the next card we have is a Command Link Drone. It's the attachment out of the Signature Squad. Uh, zero cost attachment, three shield icons as usual. Uh, attached to a unit, attached unit gets plus one attack. Action, pay one uh, resource to attach this card to a different unit. <laughs> I can see its use. Um, you know, move, moving it across, providing you've got the resources uh, between each stri uh, between each strike of each of your units of that planet. However, again, comparative to the to the rest of the uh, to the rest of the um, attachments and the other signature squads, I feel this is pretty weak again. I don't know if you got the resources, being able to bounce this from unit to unit to unit. You know, maybe even as they're attacking is good, but you'd have to have you know quite a few extra resources to really make that worthwhile but still it could be the difference in you know killing something and not killing it yeah and it, i don't know again it's got three shield icons so nothing else i, th I think that's more than what i was going to get used for because i don't want to be wasting three or four resources maybe pumping up three or four guys one attack when i could have one or two other units or pay one for the iron rifle and do essentially what this is doing in one hit for one cost until that unit leaves play. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's one, so I'd much prefer to be able to have three of the iron rifles and just have to have one of this that I'm going to use for shielding, so not terrible in that regard, I suppose. Um, the next one we have is the Earthcast Technician. See, one cost army. It's got one uh, command icon. It's a 1-1. One, one. It's a Scholar Ally with a reaction. After this unit enters play, so it's the top six cards of your deck. For an attachment or drone card, reveal it, add it to your hand, and place the remaining cards on the bottom of your deck in any order. Um, I think, obviously, if you wanted to get to all these attachments, so you can trigger a lot of these cards, so the support card or the um, 
the event, this guy's money. One cost for one command uncommon, one hit point, one attack. That you know is is well costed at just at that alone, but the reaction's really nice. Um, yeah, you get you get what you pay for, and well, probably a bit more than what you pay for. Probably it's one of the an efficient card, definitely. So and cycling to get what you need is really good. It's always it's always a strong mechanic in any game. So. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much you can say about being able to search your deck for something you need and then bring it out. I mean, that's anyone who's ever played a card game knows that's good. You, can, you know, this helps you dig for your, yeah. you know, whatever you need. Uh, and decks that rely on like attachments and stuff like that, and like I'm speaking of, you know, any card game, but I'll use Star Wars specifically. The Jedi faction in the Star Wars rely a lot on what what's called in that game enhancements. The same thing as an attachment, though. And sometimes you just gotta dig to find the one you need. And sometimes you can't find any that you need, or you draw all units. And that's sometimes what I worry about with. The Tau is depending on how many attachments you go. If you go too attachment heavy, you can wind up having all attachments and not a single unit, which could potentially really screw you. Uh, so I'm wondering if we're going to see the same thing here, but cards like this help you not only dig for your attachments or drones, and drones we know are, you know, for the most part, unit cards. Um, it also just helps you shuffle around your deck. So you know, sometimes you just kind of need to mix up your deck. For one cost, getting all well, one command, one health, one attack. It's that lets you search. It's it's well worth its money for sure. Like you said, think, if not more. I think it'd be nice if I had like a little uh, caveat on there that um, maybe you may discard any number of those cards, so you could fetch an attachment, put the units back into your deck, maybe discard one or two attachments, and then be able to use Shadow Sun's ability. I think that'd be a nice little interaction. But might be a bit too powerful. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah, being able to proactively just throw stuff in your discard pile to get it out for free of Shadow Sun might be a bit too, <laughs> too powerful. But Sorry. it's hard to. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just trying to make up for them looking uh, apparently weak so far. So. Uh, so the next card we get is uh, Even the Odds. Uh, this is a one cost event uh, with a shield icon. Tactic, action, move a target attachment to another eligible unit controlled by the same player. Uh, I'm really sure to make of this one. I mean, I suppose it's nice uh, when we go further down, they, they do have a powerful attachment. Uh, you will see some other more powerful attachments. So that, that could be quite nice, moving a, an attachment from an almost um, dead unit, something with one hit point left, onto something... Yeah, with a lot more uh, fight in it. Uh, it's nice that you can also move attachments from uh, enemy unit to enemy unit. So if something's causing you a real annoyance because of interaction between a, a, a unit and an attachment, you can you know, get around that. Or something that's uh, a little bit more, a little easier to kill, but has a powerful attachment on it. So, um, yeah, it, it is what it is. Um uh, not a massively powerful effect, but I, I could be wrong. As more and more come out, it could be really, really powerful. But out of the box, I don't think, again, it's not a powerful card. Yeah, I mean, for what, it's, for what it is, it's not a bad card. I like that you can use it both on yourself to move your own attachments around sometimes. Like you might have a unit that's about to die that you want to get its attachment on something else or vice versa. But it also allows you to mess with your opponent. So you know, your opponent might have a unit with, I don't know, like a 
Cato uh, sword, the uh, Talisarian blade. You might want to move that to a different unit, you know, a totally different battle potentially, because it doesn't say, you know, at this planet or whatever. It's just another unit controlled by the same player. So, I like that it's got the use <laughs> for both helping you and hurting your opponent all in the same card. It's got one shield icon too, so not, again, nothing else. It's got a shield. Uh, I can definitely see it being used with the next card we're about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the next card is um, two seconds to up. Uh, Repulsor Impact Field. Um, it's a two-cast attachment with two shield pips. This will never get used for shields. Uh, it's a war gear attached to an army unit. Limit one per unit, which is a good thing. Reaction. After attached unit is damaged by an attack, deal two damage to the attacker. Must know this is also loyal, so this won't be seeing any play in any other factions, uh, which is a good thing. I think they obviously, you know, put that loyal restriction on the, their powerful cards. Um, these are the sort of cards you want to see. The attachments, stuff like this, you do not mind paying for, because that is a, that's an awesome effect. Really nice artwork, awesome effect. Uh, and it seems that they they, they they sort of throttled Tauin and then given them some really stupid cards. Well, that's so stupid. Really powerful cards like this. So uh, this is going to be, you know, jam as many of these as you can in every deck you make that's got Tau in it. Well, that's a Tau deck anyway. So <laughs> yeah, just really good. Yeah, this is going to be a staple in Tau decks for a long time. Uh, I mean, being able to hit whatever hits you back for two is just great. Uh, yeah, there's nothing bad about this card at all. Yeah, I think this is like one of those. Uh, maybe we haven't quite balanced Tau quite well enough. Uh, here, I have this monstrosity, basically. <laughs> it definitely knocks Tau up a, a, a notch or two. That's for sure. Yeah, this is when you're using the Earth, uh, Earth Cast Technician. This is the attachment you are looking for. I, I should imagine anyway. Um. The, the next card we have is the Ambush Platform. It's a two-cost support. Uh, upgrade with the Interrupt. When you deploy an attachment, reduce its cost by one. And it has a combat action. Exhaust support to deploy an attachment from your hand. So basically gives you the ability to ambush out attachments during a battle. Uh, which is really, really a good effect anyway. But in Tower, obviously, I think it's a bit of their lifeblood. Especially if you can get two of these down. Um, throwing attachments, uh, the interrupt. You know, you know, if you use the first one, you can use um, the interrupt off this as well as that one. Oh no, you could use both, can't you? Because it doesn't say it has to be stood for the uh, the interrupt to reduce its cost. So you can throw out two attachments that cost two for free during a battle, which is you know refractor field. Bang, two of those out of nowhere, and the opponent's got to suddenly work around. Uh, I really like this. For what that deck wants to do, this is really good. So, and the artwork on it is awesome. Yeah, also a really good card. I like that it's not loyal, so we could end up seeing this in Space Marine or Eldar decks too, yeah. uh, letting them get their attachments out during the battle at a reduced cost as well. I mean, being able to surprise your opponent with a repulsor field or an ion rifle on one of your units or something, you know, could just be like your opponent might say, "Oh crap, I thought I could take you, but now you're going to about to whack me for you know." A lot more damage than I anticipated, <laughs> and I put all these units here that shouldn't be here now. Uh, I'm going to retreat now. Yeah. So, uh, 
I think this uh, helps facilitate what 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 Tower trying to do basically. So yeah, uh, just just for any of the listeners that think I'm being really negative on the Tower, don't get me wrong, I love Tower. I really wish they weren't like this. However, they are what they are. So I'm gonna be blunt with them basically. But I, well, I want them to work. Don't get me wrong. But it just appears at the at the at the course I don't think we're gonna be the, a strong faction. So. I could be wrong. Hopefully, someone does prove me wrong. But from what I've seen so far, doesn't look like it. Um, I don't know if you want to go away with the uh, the our preview for this week. Sure. Our preview this week uh, is a card that we partially saw early, early on when the game was first announced in the uh, the banner on the FFG site. Uh, but. For those who might have forgotten or just want to see what the whole card says as soon as I find my email because I accidentally closed it <laughs> because I'm silly like that. Oh, good grief. I guess it helps if I'm in the right email account. This is what happens when you have like four email accounts that you look at all on the same iPad. <laughs> uh, it's it's the, uh, the army unit called Gun Drones. So this is another drone. Uh, Tower very famous for their robotic drones uh, that they use. Uh, so it's two cost, one command, two attack, two hit points, and you may deploy this card as a drone attachment. So again, it can be a, a unit or an attachment. Attached to a non-vehicle army unit, attached unit gains area effect two. Wow. Giving something area effect two is just so potent. Uh, it's just bonkers strong, I think. Uh, it's loyal which is important to note, and it's probably a good thing. Uh, but I mean, if you could give this to a unit that's got a ranged, having a ranged AOE 2, I mean, that's just, you're going to hit everything on the board, or at the planet, rather, for 2 right away. It's just really strong. I don't think I would ever play this as a unit. This is probably always going to come out <laughs> as an attachment, giving whatever it's going to AOE 2. Like, that's just, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't think anyone's... Unless you're in a real bind where you need a unit, this is never coming out as a unit, ever. Yeah, you've got to be in a real predicament to have to play this as a unit. Either you're in a real predicament or you're really far ahead, so it doesn't matter. Like, if you, you, kind of, <laughs> You're trolling them at that point, if, basically. If you're already <laughs> winning, you know, this is kind of a win-more card, why not play as a unit, get that extra command struggle, or, you know, get a few more resources or cards or whatever, but... Man... That's a great effect. Yeah, uh, uh, it seems like, like I say, that they're, they're making up for some of their lack, the the lack of what Tarot having normal firepower by giving them these almost OP uh, attachments, which it, I think it'll make for some very swingy games where you don't see attachments, you get you crumble. Uh, or you do see a really powerful attachments and sort of snowball and raffle stomp your opponent. Um, I suppose that could happen in any day, but it seems more so that it's probably going to happen with Tau. Yeah, the only thing I don't like is relying on the attachments, because sometimes that, like you said, it's going to cause you issues. So I just... I don't really find that particularly strong in any card game, in my experience. Uh, oh, Nate, we're kind of... You still there? Yep, sorry. You were moving around a bunch. Nate, <laughs> Nate does have a headset this week, by the way, buddy. He's just trying to get used to having yeah. it on him. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I mean, there's really 
I don't know how much we can say about this. I mean, anybody can realize that you know giving something area effect two is just going to have very powerful for this game. Uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of damage thrown out right away. All right, so that's the end of all the cards. Nate, you got any last minute thoughts on the cards before I jump into the lore? Um, I think I've already said it. You know, I mean. I... It's the attachment nature in any card game. Anyone who's played card games moderately seriously will always uh, see the, the the card disadvantage. What can happen if you got a couple of attachments on a unit and that unit gets killed? You know, you can get two for one or three for one basically. So I, I think once they expand on how the tower, they might get a really um, sort of efficient deck and really strong deck, but. From the course, I wouldn't advise anyone going into the uh, the World Beater tournament to play Tau if they want a real chance of winning it. That's all I'll say. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> so jumping into know the lore. All right. So the Tau are new to 40k in two ways. They're the newest race added to the miniature game itself. Like they did not exist back when Nate and I played, well, until I played the last time I played back during 5th or 6th edition, they were released then. They're also new to the galaxy of 40k and the, the setting itself because the Tau are a very young race. Like They went from throwing rocks to shooting with guns to uh, uh, space travel and drones and all that stuff in a what to us would be a blink of an eye, you know. I mean, humanity, we've had civilization now for 5,000 years and we're just barely made it to the moon, whereas the Tao in 5,000 years had, you know, a galactic empire. So that all is all due to the fact that the Tao, their evolution is much faster than other races have been. So back in early Tao history, um, their race at first evolved kind of like on the plains, so, you know, very similar to humanity, where we all kind of came from Africa in the beginning. And then, as of course, they spread. Well, the, their planet, which is called Ta'au, is uh, mostly made up of one giant continent where most of the Tao end up living. And as they spread, they uh, they all adapted kind of to their environment. So that's where the case that the Tao have, like the Earth case technician, technician that we saw earlier uh, comes from. Uh, that's what the Earth case refers to. So, as the Tau adapted, they became suited to their own different environments and they took on roles based on their adaptations. So, the uh, the, the group that eventually became the Earth case, you know, was kind of more about building and structures and stuff like that. So, you know, they were the ones that built like cities and stuff. The, uh, the ones that became known as the water cased uh, or like uh, they're kind of like the the diplomats and the traders, and they did negotiations and stuff. Um, the the fire case is the one that you'll see the most probably within the the miniature game itself because they're the warriors. They're the ones that uh, lived on. They they stayed on the plains and they hunted the life, and they as a point of life they became bigger stronger etc so they're the, they're the warrior cased uh, there's also the air cased they lived up in the mountains and they developed uh, wings so they could kind of glide on thermals and stuff like that and they served a role as messengers between the various tribes and 
stuff. So eventually the uh, the water case and the earth case kind of became united, and then the fire case and the air case became united. Uh, this is before they were officially those case, really. Um, but they ended up going to war, and this war essentially almost wiped the Tau from their own planet. And this is they were strictly using gunpowder and uh, you know guns and cannons and stuff like that, uh, which were created by the earth case and then taken by the fire case, of course. So what happened was. Eventually, more Tau were dying from disease and starvation than were dying from the actual war. They were on the, the brink of extinction, and then this mysterious case called the Ethereals arose. So the Ethereals are the fifth case within Tau society, and they fulfill the role of leaders of the, the Tau Empire now. So they came from no one knows where, and they essentially arrived at the scene of this large battle over this one city, or fortress rather, and they negotiated a truce overnight between the Firecase warrior who was besieging the city and the Earthcase governor of the uh, the city itself. So, as time went on, they spread further and further, uh, and the Ethereals went out among all the case to get them united, and the fire case, of course, being the warriors, were the ones that took the longest and had the most contact with the Ethereals to get them to kind of realize that they all needed to work together. So this has created the philosophy that the Tao live by called the greater good. The greater good. For anyone who's seen the movie Hot Fuzz, uh, you'll know what that's from. So the philosophy of the greater good is essentially that whatever you do, it should benefit society, you know, in, on the larger scale the goods of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one as Spock would say um, so that's what the philosophy is all about That that's the, the overriding philosophy of everything the Tao do that's where it comes from So and this is how the Ethereals united all the Tao to realize working together they could achieve greater things so as they worked together their roles all kind of evolved but their technology advanced more rapidly, of course, because now they're all working together instead of fighting each other so they can make greater strides in advancement. So eventually they were able to leave their planet, they started colonizing the other planets in their solar system, space stations and stuff, and then there's now been three of them, they, they make these large leaps out from their home systems and slowly conquer or trade with and you know absorb through negotiation and treaties and stuff other planets. Some of them are settled by the Tau and become their own new planet, and uh, others are other races that join the Tau Empire. Like The Tau are different than a lot of the other races within 40k in that they have other races that are within their empire. They're not a homogenous empire in you that's, you know, in the, the humans' case, they're all humans to greater or lesser degrees. Same thing with the Eldar. The Eldar are all Eldar. The, the Tau have different races that work with them, such as the Krut, who you, you see on uh, one of the cards we just previewed, and they also they have other races, some of which we've seen in the miniature game, some of which we have yet to. I'm hoping that in the card game, where it's a bit easier to add new things, we'll get to see a greater variety of the various races that work within the Tower Empire that we hear about in the codexes. So, as they spread, one of the first races they encountered was, of course, the Orcs, because the Orcs are everywhere. And this is one of the few times that the Ethereals have eventually, after trying several times, realized we can't convert this race. We can't make a treaty with them. They're not going to work towards the greater good. 
shoot on sight. So the Ethereal High Council basically said, we give up. We're not going to try and be friends with the orcs anymore. If you see them, kill them. So, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty much a given, you know, considering what the orcs are. They, they're not interested in working with anyone. They're, they're not interested in working with themselves, let alone other races. They just they just want to fight. So really, they have no concept. That, they have no way to understand a greater good concept in any way, shape, or form. It's just it's not possible. It's not in their nature. So it does make sense that this was eventually what they decided on. Um, that's how they became allies with the Kroot, was they, uh, they came upon uh, some Kroot ships being attacked by an orc fleet, and eventually the Tau commander and the admiral said they couldn't really stand by and watch you know, this happen, so they joined forces with the Kroot and eventually helped them take back their homeworld, and ever since then the Kroot have fought with the Tau, but they're they're a bit more mercenary about it. They they're not like really part of the Empire, but they kind of are. But they do it for pay, like they're mercenaries essentially. Uh, the Tau also kind of hope that they can help uh, take some of the more barbaric elements of Kroot culture out. The Kroot uh, are a unique alien species in that anything they eat, they absorb parts of its DNA, and it can eventually help change them. So there are other types of Kroot, like the Krutox, who have mutated from the main Kroot species, and they're now beasts of burden that can also be used to carry around like heavy weaponry and stuff. Uh, so they're interesting that way, but they're also cannibals, like they eat the dead of other races, so the Tau kind of want to cure them of that tendency. <laughs> uh, the Tau have also encountered in recent years, which is still several hundred years ago now, the Imperium, they didn't encounter the Imperium at first. First, they encountered human worlds on the fringe, either that weren't part of the Imperium or that were breaking away from the Imperium or, you know, pirates and whatever. But eventually they discovered the greater Imperium. And so instead of trying to take the Imperium on head on in a battle, because that would just be ridiculous for a small empire on, to take on something as large as the Imperium of Man itself. So they kind of whispered in the ears of various governors who eventually rebelled and joined the Tau Empire. So, of course, the Imperium, in typical Imperium fashion, said, well, we can't let you do that, so we're going to kill you. And they came in to try and stomp the Tau, and ever since then, they've basically been at war. Uh, they will call a truce from time to time when overcome by a greater threat, which is why the Tau are capable of allying with of their two, the Space Marines. Um, so, you know, something like the Tyranids, who are just... Starting, I think, if I recall my lore properly, uh, to reach into the Tau uh, Empire itself, they'll uh, they'll put aside their differences to uh, fight the greater threat of the Tyranids and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's not as much lore for the Tau series as the other races because, like I said, even in in real world game terms, they're still really new to the game itself, and they just don't have as much history both in game and out of game because of the fact that they've evolved so quickly that they haven't as much time, like, I mean, humanity at this point has had civilization for 45,000 years uh, by the time of warmer 40,000 and stuff. Uh, so, I mean, that's, it's a pretty brief overview of the Tau. I mean, there's Codex Tau Empire is out for those who want to read a bit more into it, but it doesn't really have, a, like I said, as much detail just because of the way they've been recently added. Um, the Tau military is structured fairly normal for a military. It we might recognize it a bit more than some of the other militaries out there, but they uh, 
they use a lot of robotics like the drones and stuff like that and they use battle suits which are very much as Nate said earlier kind of a Gundam kind of thing you know like like the crisis battle suit there there's a Tau pilot in there driving it uh, and they have other types of battle suits too which we'll see as the card game adds new cards and stuff like that so they have a very anime kind of feel and style about them which you can see kind of from the artwork and stuff like that and also even from their culture like the fire warriors follow the uh it's called like the path of fire or something like that and it's basically like like the code of bushido that the samurai warriors of japan used to use um so you know you can see various elements of japanese and anime culture within the town how they're influenced they're the they're one of the few races that you could say are really the good guys good guys in quotations for 40k because they are actually trying to unite everything and make things better but and and in the first version of the Tau codex they were very much the goody two-shoes guys they kind of made them a the whole ethereal and how they uh they influence the other case a bit more not so much dark but a bit less than altruistic in that they believe it's like not even psychic because the tower are not psychic at all. They have no imprint whatsoever in the warp, uh, which is why they can't really use the warp to travel. Um, but it's like on some sort of even maybe pheromonal level, the ethereals can influence the other Tau. And it's the same thing for some of the other races that have joined them. It's not entirely willingly. They can influence them in various ways, either with technology or bribery or you know they just trade with them until the terms are very favorable for the Tau and if that all that fails they'll use the fire case warriors to come in and you know conquer them for their own good and then once they've done that they'll be like okay now that we've finished destroying your infrastructure let us help fix it for you you know we're sorry and <laughs> let's be friends uh but you know it's all for the greater good uh, Nate, you got any thoughts you want to add on the Tau? I know you're probably not very familiar with them because they were kind of added after you'd left the game. Um, I, I did play them. I actually did play them uh, when they first came out. Okay. Um, I, I played them because of my love of Gundam Wing. Uh, and, well, combined to things that I love, Gundam Wing and Samurai Culture, like you say, so it was hard not to like the Tau. Um, I like everything about them. I like... Their mentality, I know you say they're kind of like the good guys, but they're a bit more um, clinical and everything's black and white, doesn't seem to be sort of a grey, you know, either, uh, like you say, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. So in, in that regard, I really did like it. Um, felt quite brutal, but in the 40k universe, as you know, you know, it brutal is sometimes needed, so... Um, I, everything I like, I, I like everything about them basically. So, um, it, I feel it's just a shame that they have ended up how they've ended up in the car game. Um, because I really thought they might go a bit of a different way with them, but you know, I'll still play them. Uh, I'm hoping as they go further on, they'll get better to play because I really want to. I love all the artwork, especially like this, um, Shadow Sun's Shadow Card, right? I love the, um, I like that unit in the actual tabletop, the the shadow cadre. Um, so, yeah, it's a, they're a nice faction, and I, I really hope I, I, we do get to play them and um, see a lot of use of them because it'd be nice. Uh, I think they're when they get their vehicles and all their battle suits. I think that's when they'll really start to shine. So, yeah. 
That's about all I'm going to say on the town. <laughs> okay. So, um, we're going to call it a wraps on this episode. Um, so this is the last of the faction previews. So we're not going to see any more of these. So it's going to be also probably the last of our weekly episodes. Um, we are going to do one more episode. We're going to cover the news a bit more in depth. Some of the news we got this week as well. We're going to talk about the rules and the game itself and stuff like that. Now that it's officially launched and we can, you know, I'll t- discuss it. I know everyone's probably busy reading still where it just came up yesterday. So that episode we're hoping to record uh, this Sunday, which is yep. Sunday, August the 3rd. Yes. Yep. So on that episode, it's going to be myself, Nate, and we're going to be joined by Charles uh, Buzzsaw from the boards. Uh, he's going to be joining us probably as a regular. Um, so we're probably going to change our recording to Sundays just to make oh. it easier on all of our various time zones. Uh <laughs> So it'll be interesting trying to coordinate all that, but Sunday's a bit more open for all of us, hopefully. So that episode will be the first of our bi-weekly episodes. After this, we're going to go to a bi-weekly basis, uh, give myself and Nate a bit of a break, and you guys a bit of a break from hearing our our voices constantly. (laughs) I never tired of hearing my own voice. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow that doesn't surprise me. (laughs) No, but yeah, I think think, um, it's better because we can do a, a bit more... We can do longer episodes, so maybe touching on like an hour and a half, um, correlate stuff a bit better. Just talking in, in depth a bit more about um, whatever discussions we're going on, it, going into. Um, the Mac can go off in his, uh, onto his little bit, and I can talk a bit more in depth about the cards and interactions and you know uh, tactics and so forth. So I, I think that that'll make for a better program anyway. Yeah, we're we're going to change things up a little bit. Where we're just not going to be focused just on these previews and stuff. You know, it'll be a bit more media of an episode. I'm also where I'm on vacation this week. Going to be able to do spend a bit more time doing some editing and stuff. So I'm going to be creating bumpers for the show. You'll find it easier to see the break between segments of the show and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we'll have the three of us, so you'll have a bit of a different input. It's also going to be good because you know, as everybody knows, Nate's over in the UK. I'm up here in Canada, and Charles is down in Florida. So we're going to have players from you know various parts of the world so we can all kind of have like a different view and a different meta and stuff like that to kind of mix things up so we're not going to focus on just you know one meta and what's going on there so it should be good that regards anyway all that's in the future so we'll see everybody or talk to everybody again in a little while how can this be for the greater good shut it